Roses are red, violets are blue. Did you know lyrical poetic words had the power to create a new life for you? Poetry. We've all been exposed to poetry at an early age. And until recently, I really didn't pay attention to how powerful words can be. Case in point is that uh, words have created one of the best relationships, whether it's a wife, husband, friend. It also has destroyed a lot of great relationships. In addition, in terms of history, words have created one of the greatest countries, empires. And again, the same thing. Words have destroyed the very same countries and empires. Hello, my name is Sam Lloyd, host of the Red Chair Live podcast. And my next guest uh, exhibits the exact same statement which I made, is that her world uh, was, has been profoundly changed by the words that she uttered. And my, uh, my hope is that this podcast will not only encourage people, but provide uh, uh, encouragement for people to, to push forward based on the world that they can create by the words that they create to define who they are. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my next guest, Deborah Mouton. Deborah, how are you doing? I'm good. You got my last name right. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought... <laughs> awesome, well, awesome. Happen. Awesome. Well, first and foremost, uh, before I start, I, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk about your past experiences. And my hopes is that uh, people will get the encouragement based on the experience that you went through in terms of overcoming a lot of uh, your, uh, your growth as a person. So um, without uh, going, going into a lot of details, um, I found out that you had a family, you're a member of five brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's a big family. <laughs> and I assume you're the youngest? Yes. Why okay. are you making that? <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, the, the, the reason I'm asking, it may be a generalization on my part, but I, I have a lot of families and friend members uh, who are from large families. But normally, for whatever reason, from my observation, the youngest is always is the most vocal in terms of the ability to speak, articulate, poetic. I don't know what it is, but it seems to be a trend based on a lot of the friends. So you, you tend to follow that generalization that I've observed. <laughs> I'll take it. They've actually done research that have shown like the youngest child um, feels like they have the most hands to catch them. So they take the most risks. Oh, and maybe that's, that's what, okay, okay, okay. Cause I was like looking at them like, wow. And I figured out, okay, based on what, what uh, your, uh, your poetic ability, I'm like, okay, that fits the, the, uh, the, the, the generalization that I have observed. So, okay, that makes sense. A lot of sense. So, um, in terms of your childhood, tell me about growing up five brothers and sisters. That has had got to have been a uh, just a memorable experience. Can you kind of briefly describe that uh, early childhood experience? Sure. I mean, I didn't grow up with all five of my siblings in the same house. Um, three of my siblings came from a previous marriage, my dad's previous marriage. So, um, you know, we were kind of farther apart in age. My older sister is 18 years older than me. So, she, you know, she was kind of an adult by the time I was born. Um, well, my older brother and I, we, we were definitely in the home together. And then my parents actually adopted one of my best friends in high school. Uh, so she kind of grafted in to be, you know, a sixth child. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Parents raised for the last couple of years of high school. And so it was great. It was a lot of fun, a lot of creativity. My brother is a filmmaker and an actor. Um, and so I think all of us kind of have some creative and artistic bug for my parents playing classical violin and classical piano and both being okay. singers and actors to, you know, my brother and I, uh, I think 
I think all of us are really dramatic and and so it serves for a really great experience. Okay, wow, okay. That's uh, now, and in, in, in terms of um, a lot of people, uh, especially myself, um, I, I became aware of the uh, concept of slam poetry back in the early 80s, uh, probably, I don't know, I want to say about 20, 25 years ago, maybe longer. And I got introduced to it, uh, to it indirectly when I walked into a coffee shop and I saw this individual uh, impromptu where they came up with the topic. And these people were just on the spot reciting the poetry and I was like wow that is beyond amazing um so for the uh, people out there that are not not familiar can you kind of describe what slam poetry is sure I mean I don't I don't care for the term slam poetry but there's a reason why okay I think performance poetry is a better use oh, okay. of a word um, okay. a spoken word I accept too I think slam is is what you do with performance poetry, right? You compete and that competitive thing is called slam. Okay. But I think there's a lot of avenues and vehicles for that work to live outside of competition. And so that's the only reason I make the differential. Um, oh, okay, okay, I see. For me, performance poetry kind of landed in middle school, high school. In middle school, I was kind of really kind of understanding that I wanted to be a storyteller okay. and I wanted to be a writer, whatever that looked like. I think performance poetry in and of itself is kind of like a baby between theater and poetry, right? Oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. It kind of falls into the tenets of what poetry always has been. You know, poetry has always been written in the goals of being spoken. You know, it used to be a poet and his lyre, you know, walking through the city and singing and reciting poems and carrying the history of the town. And I think that performance poetry gets back to back to that, right? Um, definitely a spoken art form, definitely is very emotive. Um, and just seeks to kind of be that hearkening voice that lingers, you know, um, from the stage or from a soapbox or from, you know, a corner, depending on where you yeah, get. Right. <laughs> so we hope to be able to kind of weave the work in a way that's a little bit more engaging than maybe a traditional reading would be. Ah, okay. Now, in terms of a uh, performance of poetry, as you had stated, um, I believe you had said earlier on that you had uh, had a, had a uh, I guess desire liking since you were like five years of age. What what uh, what pushed you toward that arena? Was it a uh, did you watch something or read a uh, author poet or or how did you get into that at that young at that young of an age? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't in performance poetry that young. I definitely was a writer at that young. Really, and so, five years of age. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was reading by three, so writing by five wasn't a stretch. Um, my mom homeschooled us, and so we had libraries. You know, I remember at least two libraries in every home I've lived in. You know, I've had multiple libraries of books, um, whether it's just a small bookshelf or whether it's, you know, one that takes over the whole wall, just to kind of depends on what stage of my life I was in. But there was always books. Um, my mom was and my dad were both really great about making sure that the books on those bookshelves looked like me. And that I had access, you <laughs> right. know, that I had right. access to, you know, as much as I had access of a series of Shakespeare, you know, to pull from, I also had um, really great collections of work that highlighted, you know, King Tut and Nefertiti and made sure that there was images of me, Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass, you know. Um, And so I think that my love of it just first came in and just being completely and utterly in love with books. Uh And then I think from after that, you know, the the next natural step is that that love for books turns into a love for creating books. And then I think that um, that love for creating books kind of just takes over everything. So, Hold on one so I have a student. Come on, Jordan. No, no, no. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what are you looking for? Checking this room right here. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um, so in terms of a, uh, so you you have written books. Yes. Before, and and what and, and what of the genre uh, the topic uh, have your past books been on? So my first collection, um, I self-published when I was 19. And 19. It was a wow. Poetry. That's impressive. Yeah, thank you. It was a yeah. collection of poetry I actually did while studying at the University of Michigan as an independent study okay. um, under their, which is now their DAS department. But um, at the time I was there, it was a center for African-American studies. Um, department and I was under an independent study and was able to kind of work through some of my work and then last April I actually released a collection on Bloomsday Literary of poems as well called Newsworthy that talks about um, I'll say the interactions between uses and misuses of power in the black body when it comes to police and police interactions Okay. and then um, I'm actually working on another book right now that I'm hoping to be um, sending out to agents and publishers soon so oh awesome 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 yeah um that's one of the things like my my first experience with the uh performance poet uh um the time that I first saw it they had like an open uh mic where the topic was injustice of the world and my my first experience was uh it's amazing to see somebody speak and for the first time where they're talking about a topic and the emotions just come out <laughs> uh that's what captivated me my on my first experience so can can you talk about like your uh, your experiences i mean do uh, are are a lot of your posts based on your personal experiences or is it just based more on life experiences you've observed i i a good combination you know i don't think that i'm a poet that kind of falls into a category of like i write injustice poems or i wrote black poems you know um i purposely push against that i want to write good work and i want that good work to resonate and i want it to be human and inevitably it is black because it's work that i've written right um inevitably it is woman because it is work that i've written um but i don't want that to be the only lens by which you're able to in like to um engage with or understand my work you know i think that and, and, you know, one of the things that Newsworthy really sought to do was to be able to paint these understandings of what has happened to the Black body in these in these ways that the news has not been able to, right? In a way that says, look at this human and the things that have happened to this human because of these other layers that we have put on it. And can we, at a very human level, start to understand that there's a problem that has to be addressed um, at that point, right? At the point of just us being breathing human living things. And I think that, yeah, so I think being emotive is definitely necessary. I think that my work has always been emotional, but that emotion has changed all over the place. You know, that emotion has been the emotion of losing a child. That emotion has been the emotion of um, uh, having my house robbed. It's also been the emotion of finding myself and of celebrating love and of praising my mother and my father. And, and so uh, like, I think that we are emotive people. And so I think the work just becomes emotive because of that. Okay. Okay. I see. Wow. Wow. Now, um, what, one of the things that I had, uh, um, had asked er, early on in, in the questionnaire is, uh, what point in your life, uh, did, uh, did, did you encounter where you, you just lost passion for, you know, writing or, or, or a point in your life where you had, uh, so, so many issues going on that you just lost passion and, and purpose. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, I don't know what I wrote, to be honest with you. <laughs> I could, but I could talk and answer the question. Yeah. Um, there's been very few times where I felt like I can't write. I think when I first moved to Houston, it was hard. 
just mm-hmm. balancing. Um, when I first moved here, I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a house. I was kind of living in a hotel for okay, a wait, few. Wait, 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 wait. No house? You're living in a hotel. <laughs> yeah, you know, things got complicated. <laughs> <You know? laughs> All right. Explain, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a person of faith, you know, right. and I really felt like God told me to get up and move. So I did. Right. And I did. With, you know, I had a plan. I wasn't I wasn't negligent, but I was, um, I look back at it now and I laugh. Because I wondered why my parents worried so much, and then I realized, oh, because I was 21, and that was terrible. Like it was crazy, right? Wow. To just get up and move halfway across the country, but I did, and I just kind of packed everything up in a U-Haul and just drove. And um, my family kind of carried me down here and left me at a hotel. And I, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Things worked out after a while, but so I think I think initially it was the first year we here being here was a challenging. Okay. You know, just to figure out how do you take care of yourself? How do you fend for yourself? Uh, you know, I had been living by myself, so that, that wasn't it. But it was just more of how do I make this work? Um, especially when everything around me says that it shouldn't and says I should just go back home and that this was some crazy dream and that I heard wrong. And I think that, um, you know, figuring that balance out was difficult. And I was going to unplug from the community. I didn't have anyone. I didn't know where the open mics were. You know, Houston is very elusive like that, where if you're not plugged in, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you don't know where to go. You get lost. Right. Very, very quickly. Yeah. Now, um, interesting. Now, uh, what initially what made you come to Houston of all cities? I mean, uh, was it something that you just like, all right, I'm going there or was it? Yeah. God told me to move to Houston. Like, and this sounds crazy. I know for a lot of people, but, um, you know, I remember waking up and hearing a date in my father's voice and to move. And, um, I looked around and my father was not even at home, you know, I remember saying, I need to know where and everything over inundating me with the word Houston. I mean, like silly things like Wheel of Fortune had a Houston week. Who does that? Right. Um, Lane Bryant released a pant called the Houston, right? Like everywhere really? I went, it, yeah, everywhere I went, it was just Houston, Houston, Houston. Like I could not get away from the word Houston and in ways that I had never even paid attention to before. It was like, it was like buying the red car and realizing it was everywhere. It just, was everywhere I went and um at the time I wanted to be a teacher and I was like well if I go down there and I pass the teaching exam on the first try without studying then it means I'm supposed to go and I came down and I passed the test with the first time without studying and um I was like let's just take the risk you know what I mean I don't have anything to lose I I can make money again I can spend for myself I, I know how to do this um so I did. I got up and I got in a U-Haul and I moved. Yeah, that, that's the decision of my life. That is, um, you're the second person that I've spoken to that had that ex- uh, exact same experience. You know how they wound up doing what they're doing. You know, it's like God. Yeah. <laughs> you start talking to them. It's, it's not like you know. It was like it was like they actually had a, heard a voice or saw a vision that kept repeating. So that is incredible. So you came yeah. out here with no plans. Your and your parents just dropped you off here. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, that sounds negligent. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Had, how old were you when you moved well, here? I had, I was 21. Um, <laughs> good, good, good. All right. I had uh, probably a week's worth of job interviews lined up. I've always been a person where if I get in a job interview, I get the job. That's never been a thing for okay. me. I had a week's worth of no's. <laughs> you know? Wow. 
I had really planned to come and to be here. And, and so I'd line kind of the adult things I could. I had researched apartments. I had priced out. I had saved money to be able to pay for my first and my last, you know, like with the understanding that I would get a job in the first month. I, I even got a car, which I don't know how I got a car with no income, but someone definitely gave me a car loan like for a, a new pretty new car um when i moved we know where the car came from no verified income no payment stubs um you know just kind of like here you go and i had a car so i was you know kind of living in and out of my car in the hotel trying to find, make things work for a while but um you know i, I look back at it now and i'm like there's just no way that would have I, I, you know, I often push back on people who say there is no God because I just don't know another way to explain how this happened, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's so many times in my life, that's what it's been. It's been these things that make no sense why they have worked, but I have said them out loud or I have said that is a desire of mine or I've said yes to things. And then on the other side of them, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I listened and I just said yes. That's... Um... I'm going through the exact same experience that you're going because uh, a lot of my friends, you know, for example, this podcast, you know, most of my friends are like, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, I'm telling you, uh, it, it's some, it's, I'm not going to say something. There's a force that's like, just do it. Forget about what people think, just do it. <laughs> and you obviously went through the exact same thing, you know, but, ha- but moving to of all cities, Houston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely a culture shock. You know, I lived in LA for a long time and then I moved to Ann Arbor to go to school and it was kind of between Ann Arbor and Detroit for three years and then I kind of moved back to LA and I just hated it I mean that's not true I didn't hate it I just I think when you grow up somewhere and then when you're an adult in that same place and there's a gap in the middle you just go back as an adult seeking what you had as a child but you're not the same person anymore and I think that there's, um, you know, my husband often jokes, when we first got together, I said, I wanted to move back to California. And he's like, okay, I'll go with you. Right. And he, but, but you have to tell me what you miss. And so I ran on this laundry list of things that I missed. And he said, you don't miss California, you miss 1998. Oh, okay, okay. So okay. It's like there is, there is a moment in time, you know, where like you walk down the street and like Tupac played the street, right? Like, like right. there's a moment in time that you miss that feeling, but when you go home, like those things are not there anymore. Okay. Okay. At that moment is not there anymore. And if you fully, I think that's the point when I found the piece, you know, I fully gave over to the idea that there was a moment that I wasn't living in that right. I could. And if I fully gave myself to it, right. the world would open for me. And I think that's exactly what happened. Wow. Well, um, one of the things that I, um, as, as I told you in my early childhood, uh, I, I, you know, I had enjoyed doing poetry. I did a lot of writing at a very, very young age, but um, having grown up stuttering and that stuff, that, that, uh, that experience kind of completely put that, that, put that desire down. So now I'm at the point in my life, you know what, I'm going to try to get back into it uh, one way or the other. Uh, it will take some time because it's, it's been a while since I kind of <laughs> practiced that side of the brain, but I told myself, Life is too short, you know, and, and, and that's what I tell a lot of the people that, that li- listen to my audience. It's never too late. Your childhood dreams, do it. <laughs> just, just, yes. just do it, you know, and, right. and obviously you've been doing it your entire life. Now, um, there's, there's one thing that, I, that I've always observed is that uh, I enjoy, you know, writing. Uh, words themselves are powerful, but 
my opinion and, and, and let me know what your opinion is that the word itself is powerful, but the medium of speaking where the word goes into the air, transmits through uh, time and space is what has the most power in terms of uh, a writing, poetry, whatever. What's your opinion on that? Absolutely. I was actually listening to um, a guest speaker at our school, Dr. Levine, and he said this thing that, that kind of has stuck with me. He was like, you know, words are what, what make things happen in the ways of like, you're standing at an altar yeah. and then you say a word and then you're married. <laughs> like, yes. like and nothing has happened different between the two of you, but you yes. both say a word and that word has made a new reality for yourself. Yes. And we think of it the same way as, you know, if you're not pronounced dead, you're not dead until someone says a word that says you're not alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, legally, right? Like, right, you know, right, right. <laughs> uh, there are some people like, yeah, I wish you die. You know, but, but then there's this thing that I think has always existed, um, whether or not you believe in God. You know, I definitely believe in God. God said it, and it kind of was, there was light, you know, but, but this principle of, like, words being said physically changes something in who we are. And, yeah. and I really do believe that. I do. Yeah, um, that's interesting because uh, I guess I'm, I'm a, kind of weird in terms of how I think. Um, I've told a lot of people and they're kind of like, you know what, I guess you're right. Uh, like, I believe in God. And one of the interesting that people really don't sit back and realize is that, you know, when you read the Bible, you know, Genesis, what, what was the first thing in creation? People think, you know, God said, let there be. No, the first thing in creation was his word. <laughs> he right. breathed it out. <laughs> let there be light. The words are emitted. And I'm beginning to get a better appreciation, you know, that the word is one of the most powerful forces in this universe. Yes. What do you think about that? I mean, am I I kind of thinking, am I smoking too much stuff or is it? (laughs) No, I mean, I completely agree with you. You know, there's been things in my life that, especially recently, you know, as I've started to say, I want this. And then five people will show that all can help me get it that I've never known before. And I'm like, where did you come from? Oh, I said I wanted the thing out loud. Exactly. And that sounds crazy. I get it. Like for some people, they're like, oh, please, that's coincidence or that's fate. But for me, um, it's just interesting that it coincided. Oh, goodness. I'm sorry. The lights just went out. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) It coincided with with this idea. Can they make? in the library or no just tell me if not that's fine i'm just on a podcast cool thanks sorry <laughs> no <laughs> worries thinking. and you know what the funny thing is they never come in this room except now right it, it's weird Children. i mean it is weird it's it's uh uh like right now there's weird weird stuff going on in my electronics i can't understand why but you know <laughs> we're gonna get fight through this <laughs> yeah but, but yeah uh, I just, but that's the I, thing know, that I began to become more and more aware is that uh, the power of the word, people just do not realize that, that what we utter, I mean, we can create our own reality by the words we, we state, like listening to you uh, recite your poems. Uh, I can't explain it. Like when I first heard, uh, heard you, it was like, there's something is like, oh my God, I feel the, the feeling, the emotion, you know, the sensation. And you can't, it's not the words themselves. It's something that once you speak it, <laughs> Those kind of sound waves, and somehow you pick up the, the, the feeling that you're trying to present. And it's, it's real hard for people to experience it until you sit there and listen to, you know, somebody reciting a poem. Um, yeah. Thank so you. How, how, how did you get it? Um, 
was this, was this a situation where you always like to do the public speaking or was it something that you got accustomed to or what what yeah i mean i'm i'm loudmouth you know i'm a <laughs> loudmouth introvert um if those two things go together at all uh i think that i did pageants when i was younger which i don't know why my mom did that but um you know i went to modeling school and so kind of this idea of being out front has always been a thing i think that i became more outspoken the more my siblings left the house you know and it was kind of oh, just oh yes yes being the youngest yes <laughs> um yeah, so I think I think all those things are true. I think also I'm I call myself an occupational extrovert, so it's kind of like a switch. extrovert. Yeah, you know yeah. I I it's kind of a switch I turn on, and I turn it on for as long as I need to work. You know, it kind of has a fuse. Uh, you know, after a certain amount of hours, I notice that I kind of taper off, but then afterwards I have to be like silent. You know, and yeah. after recharge because I I am a very um, hyper emotional person. I am a very empathetic person, okay. um, very introverted person. And so I have to have my balance of quiet. I have to have reflective time. I have to have time to put my feet in water, right. And like uh, sit yeah. on the beach. I, I, I need that to be able to be all the things that I have to be other places. I see. I see. Okay. You're uh, you sound a lot like me <laughs> like to be out there, but you know, leave me alone when I'm in my own, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, got a quick question. Um, in addition to some of the uh, periods of, you know, for example, moving to Houston uh, 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 by hearing the word of God, that in itself is, is amazing. But uh, did uh, did you have a moment in your life where fear slowed you down or hampered, you know, what direction you wanted to go in? Every day. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Every day. I think fear is something that like sits by my bedside and waits for me to wake up you know what I mean and then every morning I'm like you're gonna stay here and I'm gonna go do the, take over the world okay exactly. you know and it's like mm, okay well you know sometimes he wants to ride around sometimes he doesn't I just I don't know I feel like for myself I'm always the most scared of what I will be uh, much more than what I won't I am always the most scared of maintaining success more than I have my failure um really? and I think the, Oh, yeah. And I think those are things that I wrestle with often. You know, if no one knows who you are, no one cares. But when they know who you are, they can't stop knowing who you are without damage. Right. And uh, so okay, okay, okay. I'm much more scared of that <laughs> than anything else. Yeah, because uh, um, what you stated a few minutes ago is very, very interesting because most people are, uh, uh, their fear is failure, not fear of success, um, yeah. which is really, really, really interesting. So, uh, so how how do you overcome it? I mean, do uh, do you do do mental game or you just just you do it afraid? Do it afraid. Do it afraid. I mean, fear fear is temporary. Fear yeah. is conditional. Fear doesn't paralyze you, right? Fear stands there in your way, and you have a choice to move it or not. And I think that doing it afraid, you, you the, the fear, if the fear won't move, you still have to. Ah, uh, okay, because. Uh, there's a lot of self-help books out there and I've, I've gone to every, you know, I've read all these help, uh, self-help books, gone to these seminars and they, they try to create the illusion that, you know, with fear, you, uh, the fear just goes away and you just do it. My no. experience is no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a big lie. It's still there's there. This, <laughs> how you manage quote. it, but it's still there. <laughs> no, there's this great quote that we have up on our walls here that says, um, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Ah, okay. I got to write this down. Hold on one second. <laughs> and I, I really believe that if your dreams are not scaring you, then they're not big enough. And I got big dreams. So 
I'm going to constantly live in a place where fear is evident, right? Okay. Um, okay. When I'm not scared, usually I'm not pushing. I'm not driving to something new. I'm not, I'm, I'm getting stagnant and comfortable. And that's not a place that I want to live in. Okay. Okay. That, that's, uh, you hit on a key word because uh, I've been complacent. I've, I've had all the desires, been, but, but I use that as an excuse not to move forward with mm-hmm. that. But you're absolutely right about that is that uh, if you have, uh, fear and manage, uh, manage. That is what causes people to kind of move forward into, you know, go after the dreams, the passions, or whatever the case might be. Okay. Absolutely. Wow! 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 So, in terms of uh, any other, uh, uh, t- tell me about the time that you won the Houston uh, Poem Laureate contest. I think this is, uh, I believe you, it was last year. How did you so- go about that? Yeah, so I became the Poet Laureate in 2017. Oh, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry 17, 17, yes. No, it's okay. I actually ended my term last year, yeah, which is probably right, what you right. And so it was a kind of a long process. They, you do an application process, you do a group right. interview, and then you kind of sit on the mayor's desk, right? Like your name and someone else's name sits on the mayor's desk, and he makes the final decision, and he chose me, which is, I, I will be um, grateful to him for that for a very long time. But yeah, so it was just kind of a thing where it was for two years, really figuring out how to serve the city the best when it comes to literacy, when it comes to poetry, when it comes to the visibility of poetry, um, how poetry relates to our everyday, right? I think we often have these ideas that it's this very esoteric, highbrow thing. (laughs) Small group. (laughs) (laughs) Right, you know, and the reality is, it's like the way that we breathe is a poem, right? Like the way that we move is a poem, like... And it's just a matter of placing words to those things. And so I just tried my hardest over those two years to really build workshops, to build spaces like the writers, um, the Colony Writers of Color Summit that yeah. I host now uh, and things like that, that would help provide access and spaces for resource sharing and just uh, ways to engage with poetry on another level. Did you feel that that experience kind of uh, pushed you in, in terms of limelight? And the reason I, uh, I'm making that statement is that when I, when I uh, saw your name, I kind of checked around and there were several people that was like, hey, it was like, really? <laughs> so it, it seemed like that particular thing really put you, put you in, in terms of the Houston area. And, and I had no clue that the, uh, 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 the, uh, that sector within Houston was that large, but I was really amazed that a lot of people knew your name, you know, I was like, okay, she must be uh, legitimate here. Yeah, I'll take that. I love yeah, yes. Um, Yeah, I think I, you know, I performed for a lot of large crowds. And so I think that's part of it. So a lot of people saw me, I was kind of everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I gave myself the challenge for that two years that I would say yes to everything. Okay. Um, and I wouldn't turn down a single show, which was hard. And I think I only turned down two shows and they were because it conflicted with other shows that I had committed to being at, you know, but um, I said yes to everything. So even the group that wanted me to do a poetry instead of a wake, <laughs> that, that was something I said yes to. It didn't work out, you know, but it, I said yes to wait it. You know? oh. Go do that detail again. <laughs> I got to find out. Wait. <laughs> Explain yeah. the situation with a more detail. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, they, um, they wanted to do a graveyard tour of Houston okay. to go to multiple graves of women who had been impactful in the community. Okay. And then instead of a wake at the end of it, I would read poems um, oh, okay. as like a portion of the wake, which, which was I just the phrasing, you know, instead of a wake. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Okay. That's like, wait a minute here. Definitely different. Um, but, you know, I got to work with the Houston Rockets. I got to uh, work closely with the mayor. I got to, 
perform at the Texan Stadium, you know, the 38,000 people. You know, I got oh, a lot wow. of visibility. That must have been an experience. Wow. Oh, bonkers. Bonkers in the best way possible. But, um, it's you know, like the situation I've frozen. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love I love big crowds because I can't okay. see their faces, and so then I don't know if they if they're condemning me, right? Like I little okay. crowds, especially my family. You're gonna I have to live with you forever. You're gonna oh. bring this up forever <laughs> if I fail. But big crowds, you, you might not see me tomorrow, and that's great. That's wonderful. Um, but yeah, the poet laureate position definitely, by all means, catapulted me in ways that I never imagined that it would. You know, I worked with the Houston Ballet and that turned into a collaboration with the Houston Grand Opera, which is now I have an opera debuting um, in March, you know? Really? And so, yeah. So I think that it just was, yeah, it's just kind of like the March. <laughs> March 5th and 6th. It's called Marion Song. Um, it highlights the life of Marion Anderson with a modern twist. So it's a blend of spoken word and opera and it's with Houston Grand Opera. Okay, yeah. I will definitely be there. Definitely. Yeah. I'll send you a link. So this is uh so this this one experience that pretty much catapulted you into like literally a spider network of areas I'm sure you never imagined. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's funny because I actually was only had only been out of the hospital having my son for about a week okay. when the interview happened, um, and I was eight months pregnant when I applied, so I wasn't gonna do it because I knew I was gonna have a baby, and I was really concerned that, and it had been a really hard pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I, you know, I'm taking on a lot. I don't know that that I want to commit to this. And um, yeah, I did. I did the interview with staples in my stomach and with like a baby and a newborn in the car, and I couldn't walk. And uh, I nursed. My no. Really? You know, like I was nursing, breastfeeding my son, like at the, you know, at the uh, inauguration, I was like running to breastfeed my son in the car, you know, um, it was just absolutely insane, you know, uh, but I don't think I could have done it any other time in my life. I don't think yeah. the timing, I don't know, it's just everything that I said yes to it and it said yes to me and it, that was it. Like, yeah. and my kids, you know, were, were part of it as well. And um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't regret a moment. That is incredible. So, um, you so yeah, two 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 children, right? Yeah. They're what is a son, daughter? What? I have a son. I have a seven year old daughter and a two year old son. Son. Okay. So you yeah. so you have a very busy lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, it's very busy <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. The um, one of the things that that I like to ask, you know, in terms of uh, some some of the most, uh, I guess, important life lessons that you learned that you that you like uh, people to learn. Uh, what's like the number one life lesson that you've experienced that you want to make, make sure that people look? You know, if this happens, do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think do it afraid is is my one. You know, I think I've regretted more of what I haven't done than anything that I have, okay. and so I think it's just like pushing through and just doing it, just shoot your shot like just do it because I think at the end of the day you know if it fails okay but if it succeeds though right yeah. I think I think we often get lost in the failure of things and the, oh my god it might not work but we don't give enough light so what if it does yeah that, that's uh I mean I'm I'm I'm, I'm probably I think I majored uh, in a PhD in that <laughs> yeah you know all always worried about the fear about the you know, failure what what other people think um that's one of the biggest thing, uh, I think not, not only the, my, my initial audience, but people in general, that they allow fear to create a, um, a future that has not happened and never will, <laughs> but it's so powerful mm -hmm. that, that that's keeps them from 
from moving forward. So what you stated is definitely, yeah, it's, it's a uh, go for it, but it's so hard. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, and I, you know, and I tell my students like, play it all, play it all the way out. And by that, I mean, give me like it at its worst case scenario, right? Is it homelessness because there's shelters, right? Like, is it, is it loss of relationship? Because I'm sure you'll make a new friend, right? Uh, like if you play the worst case scenario of the thing that you're scared of all the way out, most of the times you realize that it has no foundation, right? That has no root, that it's just in the moment you're scared. And, and that's okay. Own that. I think that's fine. But then if that's all it is, it's a lot easier to move through out of your way. Well, I can uh, pretty much guarantee that uh, your students, uh, have one of the best teachers because there aren't uh-huh. teachers that teach that life lesson. I mean, uh, book knowledge is one thing, but what you stated right there is a core to get, you know, anybody, whether it's children, uh, grown adults to yeah. really, and if they, if, they, if they got that concept, it's half the social problems of the world will go away. It's <laughs> just like oh, that. Yeah. But uh, un- unfortunately that's not being promoted enough, but yeah, so kudos to you. Now um, in terms of teaching, uh, what, uh, what age, age, uh, uh, age uh, range do you teach like second grade oh, yeah. graders? i know i have high schools i can't do the little ones oh, that's I, have high schools. <laughs> I um i have little ones at home so i okay. refuse to teach the same grade that i am <laughs> uh, i don't believe in that that's a cuss that's word. So what um, happens when they turn to teenagers <laughs> then i either stop teaching or i teach younger children i can't i won't have teenagers all day i lose my mind nope Oh, so, awesome, awesome. Wow. Yeah, but you, uh, yeah, you are definitely an, an awesome teacher. Um, there, mm-hmm. there, there is one other question I want to ask in terms of uh, uh, social media. Yes. What's your opinion? I mean, right now, social media is definitely a powerful media, median to get our voices heard. But at the same time, I see the destructive a- aspects of social media, how it can you know, control how people think and what they say. How do you handle that? I mean, as a teacher, as a poet, and you see all you know the the stuff. It's it's. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, definitely, I agree with you. Um, where I'm, I think I have a a internet or own risk policy with social media. Uh-huh. I post what I need to post in order to maintain my brand and in order to continue to get bookings, right? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, that's yeah, in order to keep people abreast of what I'm doing. But, you know, I kind of post to one social media platform and link it to everything else so I don't have to engage if I don't have to. Um, I'm, I'm just not a huge fan. I really like living in person. You know, I'm a, I freelance with photography, and I, it's just something about, like, people watching and being present with each other and being physically there, you know, that is something that I don't feel like can be captured in a tweet. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just big on that. I'm big on creating spaces that we can share space and share a meal, even if that's possible over living on social media in a, in a fight on Facebook. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something that appears to be just, just getting uh, in my viewpoint is, is, is it's, it's getting less and less in our society. You know, for example, having sit down meal with the family, conversating, communication face to face. Uh, my, my opinion is that social media is definitely, um, it, it, it's almost like a facade <laughs> that people mm-hmm. create <laughs> and they live behind this, this illusion, which that's all it is. It's an illusion, but yeah. it, it, it's very, very hard to, uh, like I have a nine year old daughter and you, and you have children. It's very, very hard to get them out of this, this trap that's being laid in my opinion. So mm-hmm. what, 
what do you plan to do like with, 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 with your children once they get more and more into the social media? I mean, is it going to be like, no, you're not going to use a phone, you're not going to have a computer, or it's going to be more like, listen? <laughs> no, I think, I think, you know, I rarely say no to my children when it comes to things like that. I think teaching them limitations, you know. You know, my daughter even now will say like, I have already had a cookie today, so I probably shouldn't eat candy. And I'm like, you're right. That is a correct assumption. But that's because for so long I've said, how, what did you eat today? Do you think that this is a good use of like what your body needs is candy right now? Do you think it needs? And so I think the same thing happens with technology, right? It's like, how long have you been on that? Have you had yeah. any time where you had face to face? Have you gone outside and seen the sun today, right? Like, have you walked in a garden or like, have you played on your bike? Do you think that your body needs to stretch out? You know, and I, I think even just asking those questions consistently as she's young, when she gets older, there's going to be a need for her to do more than just sit in front of a screen, you know, yeah. and to stay plugged in. Inevitably, she's going to have to be a citizen of our digital age, and that just is what it is. But yeah. I think teaching her what the boundaries are when it comes to her personal investment, you know, my kids are empaths wildly. Okay. And so to be an empath, I think, on social media is not always the healthiest thing. Yeah. I think drawing clear boundaries are going to be something I'm just going to have to model for her and, and help her through, you know, and I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down okay. for it. It's gonna be a challenge though <laughs> as they get oh, older. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's not, you know. <laughs> oh goodness. Wow. Uh man, I can't believe we've been on talk for almost an hour. That's <laughs> um anything that else that you would like to promote, like like new books coming up. Now this this thing for the uh offering is March what, what? March, March 5th and 6th. March 5th and 6th, okay. And yeah, 5th and 6th. Um outside of that, I yeah, that's really kind of the big project I'm putting my energy behind right now is getting people in those seats for this opera. I think that people who have been very turned off by the um, opera seeming like something that only rich people go to yes, have had, yes. the, had a that's false a sense of what opera can be. And yeah. I think that this this wants to be a chance for everyone to come into the room to sit down and to really understand the thing that they've been missing out on because I think that they have been missing out. Nice. So, yeah. Marion's song. Um, if they'd like to visit my website, I have a TED talk that just came out. Oh, did I have, you? Yeah. Uh, it actually happened? dropped yes it dropped yesterday. I did it in December, but it just came out yesterday. Oh, okay. So, uh, um after this thing, uh def definitely send the link and I'd like to post it on my website. Definitely. That's, absolutely. That is awesome. Yes. So you know, if they want to check out I have two TED Talks posted to my website. I have all kind of um videos and and things that they engage with uh if they want to purchase newsworthy my book i would love for them to be able to do that and there's links on my site as well as the bloomsday literary site and then just follow me at live life deep so they can keep in contact with all the great stuff i have coming up because this is going to be a good year and i have a lot of stuff going on oh definitely i mean you're truly <laughs> truly truly blessed i mean uh oh, the you. you're given yeah it's it's <laughs> god is definitely behind you um yeah. this is really good but what I like to do, um, one of the things that, I, that I've uh, been doing for the past few uh, guests that I've had, I've, I've asked all my guests, you know, uh, if they could choose a theme song that represents who they are. You chose a song that I haven't heard in a long, and I have a record. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's called Do Your Thing. And th this definitely, having, uh, talking to you, you, you're definitely the epitome of your, of, of your, of, title do your thing and <laughs> your life is going to continue in that in that direction so in closing i definitely uh um thank you for your appearance here and i'm uh i would i, I do want to invite you back because you you've given me encouragement to do some things that i've wanted to in a long time so because uh because of you uh, uh we'll we'll come back at a later date very soon 
<laughs> yes. I love that. I would love to. Thanks a lot for your time and um, appreciate you being a guest. And this, this is going to be dedicated to you in closing. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Ha, ha, ha.